Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Back to Legit Bat. I'm Joe. Jen's here with me. Ben is uh, not here with me, but he's here in spirit. He's at, well, he's actually here on Zoom. Yes. Take a bow, please. Our guest is returning champion, probably for the 15th time. I'm not sure. Chris Matthew from Forbidden Knowledge News and the CEO, founder, CFO, CEO, COO <laughs> of Forbidden Knowledge Network, which we are a part of too. So welcome, Chris. What's going on, buddy? Hell yeah. Thank you, boys and lady, for having me back on. Always a wonderful conversation. Been looking forward to it. It's been a little while. Tell everybody what you've been up to, because uh, we know, but maybe other people don't <laughs> know. You've been doing a uh, road trip documentary. How's that been going? Yeah, man. It's been a, a long time in the making. I finally got out to my first location, which I figured if this is going to be an ongoing docu-series, I figured what better area to cover the strange history and paranormal high strangeness and occult happenings in my own hometown of Louisiana. So I decided to take a trip down there. Uh, me and my girlfriend went. We brought all our documentary equipment and we started filming. We filmed uh, from New Orleans to Baton Rouge to northern Louisiana. We got some mounds in there. The documentary is going to cover everything from uh, hidden occult history, Louisiana, voodoo, the Native Americans, the mounds, some pirate history, dark history surrounding slavery, and Ultimately, the paranormal energy surrounding the area, vampires, and of course, the the grand finale there is probably going to take up a whole episode by itself is the cryptid encounters from Scott Pace. Have you guys had Scott on yet? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to get you, we got to get him on there. He's the most incredible cryptid type experiencer I've ever met, and he resides in louisiana i spent some time with him and we actually went on a little bigfoot expedition a gunpoint led big bigfoot expedition he had uh he had his firearm and we, we went out into the swamps on a little pontoon boat and got out there and he showed me some you know what appeared to be possible footprints and down trees and stuff like that so yeah the fritz it was going to be just one episode about Louisiana, but we got so much content and it, there's so much going into it. And I found out so much information, man, my home state is crazy. I had no idea some of the shit that happened in there, especially in our history. And as well as all the crazy uh, cryptid encounters and creatures that are reported there. I had no, idea. I've heard of Bigfoot. I've heard of the dog man in that area, which we call Rugaru, but they had so much more. So this one episode turned into an entire season. So it's going to be nice. two or three episodes about Louisiana. We're going to try and fit the mounds and the, the dark slavery history and the voodoo legends into 
first episode, then we'll go pirates, vampires, and cryptids into the second episode. And we're even going to fit in a little bit of uh, Corey's knowledge in there with some of the mob history in New Orleans with Carlos Marcelo. So, man, nice. it's it's going to it's going to be good. It's been fun so far, and uh, we're hoping to have the first episode released by early July. Wow. Nice. You're doing all the, the production and editing yourself, right? Yes, sir. Yes, That's sir. a lot of fucking work. I it know is. that just from doing <laughs> podcast episodes and I really don't edit anything and it's still a fucking pain in the ass. It's daunting, man. That. Yeah, I, I yeah, especially the editing part, like getting out there filming, doing interviews is one thing it, that that's pretty easy. But when for me, the, the hardest thing is that tedious task of getting there, adding music, making everything sure lines up. And it's I have to smoke a ton of weed before I do any of that. stuff. Oh, obviously. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, every time yeah. I watch a movie, I think about that now because I've been behind the scenes with video editing. I'm like, this is a royal pain. I have way more respect for movie makers and even commercial makers. A 30 second mm. clip that has a lot of video super hard i mean for me super pain in the ass to put that together getting paid a hundred grand yeah. a year to do it i bet it wouldn't be that much of a pain in the ass yeah, i think that's why it's more of a pain for me is because i have a fucking day job so i'm doing it in my <laughs> off time so it's like fuck just come on well, well that's cool lucky that you got for me so much. i got uh yeah i got some of the some very amazing people to be a part of it some researchers and ex like i said the experiencers that i interviewed so much of it is going to be those interviews with you know footage that i got in louisiana some b-roll some other images and things like that but the i'm really happy with some of the the interviews that i got from experts and witnesses and tomorrow i have dr gregory little coming on to talk about some mounds some more so we got some great people that are going to be a part of this and uh, that we're getting in there and very excited, man. Very excited. So what do you uh, guys want to hear worry. about? You guys want to hear about mounds first voodoo? I, I had one question, one question yeah. before we move on to topics. Yeah. How, how two questions, how many total hours did you film? Oh God. Is it hundreds? I would assume. Or in clo uh, close to a thousand. No, I don't think it would be a hundreds because for what I filmed, it's, Probably about 40 or 50 hours worth, and the rest is going to be the interviews. I mean, if you want to consider the interviews filming, then we're, we would add a lot, a few more hours to that, of course. But right. we, we've done a combination of Zoom interviews from where I would be able to just hit, sit here and interview people to live in-person interviews. So it's about half and half. As far so as that goes, if you were to turn that into a 10 season episode, each episode is an hour and a half, roughly 15 hours for the season. We're going to keep you're them around 45 like... minutes to an hour per episode. Oh, so, so you're cutting out even as... more than that. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to cut out that much. We're just going to stretch out the, cause we've got so much got content it. to put into it. That's why the one episode became a whole season. Basically. So that, that was my second question was at what point in filming did you go? Oh, fuck. Louisiana is not going to be one or two. It wasn't until I started editing. It wasn't until I got home and started reviewing the footage and then doing the extra research that I was going to do for my voiceover and everything like that, that I was like, oh, my God, there's so much that's going to go into this. I have to make this a, a whole season for just Louisiana. And it's probably going to end up that way for the next the, the next episodes that we do, which we're going to go out to Skinwalker Ranch and spend a few nights old, at old uh, Ryan Burns's place and see what nice. happens there. Yeah, that'll be fucking awesome. That new yeah. uh, Skinwalker Ranch show is kind of dumb from what I've heard. I haven't watched it, but Midnight Mike is is watching it from OBDM and he he loves that kind of stuff anyway. But from what I've heard, it's really uneventful. It's just them yeah. being like, whoa, my phone just turned off. That's crazy. It's like, <laughs> Well, not really. We have a lot yeah. of underwhelming occurrences. But Skinwalker Ranch, I noticed, is actually on Google Maps now. Do you remember when it wasn't? It was a super secret place. You couldn't mm. find it, couldn't go there. And now, I, as recently as a few months ago that I've seen, I don't know exactly when it was put on there, but you can just look it up. So I was wondering, uh, what? so you're... You only did one area and you were going to be doing like a cross country thing, right? Uh, I'm still doing got... cross country, but we're going to break it down by just 
small areas at a time. So it's not going to be like a whole, the whole Gulf coast at a time, which we were planning on doing, but that's just too much as far as gas money. And, you know, we're trying to do this off of our own revenue and donations. We don't have major sponsors to back us. So we're just cutting it into what we can handle at this moment. Maybe after we get, uh, we put the first episode out, we'll get some major sponsors and be able to do that. But for now I'm, I am, totally just putting this together as I go and winging everything, to be honest. What's going to come out is going to be a, a, a very great quality product. But what I can tell you beforehand about how exactly it's going to go and the order and what's going what to expect, I couldn't tell you any of that shit. It's just it's it's flowing out of me as I go. So <laughs> you'll just have to, to wait it. till the end of the project. Yeah. So is it going to be available before we move on? I do want to hear about the mounds because I'm not real familiar with that stuff. But um, is it going to be available on like Prime or Hulu or are you just going to be? Yeah, we're trying to get it on uh, Amazon and we'll see what other platforms we can get it on. Hell yeah. So, yeah, tell us about the mounds. Uh, Explain what what those are and their apparent purpose or whatever and what you found out about them. Well, they have they have these mounds across the United States and they are they're native american uh type of artifacts and they were they were who the natives different native tribes constructed these mounds as far as louisiana these this tribes had been there for over 10,000 years or longer they really don't know exactly how long these tribes had been inhabiting the area Two of the main areas that I'm focusing on is Poverty Point, and then they have the mounds at LSU, which have been totally desecrated by our government. The main tribe that was in this area, Poverty Point, was called the Adena tribe. And like I said, they were here for over 10,000 years. They were part of extremely seeming advanced type of they had advanced engineering skills the the shell middens that adorned the mounds had very impressive construction and they they're still not exactly sure how they had the capabilities of building some of these things back then just like a lot of the ancient mysteries now the poverty point national monument which is in West Carroll Parish, it preserves the remains of the Adena tribe, like I said, which was a large trade network. They had extremely advanced engineering stills in this particular community of natives. They reached their zenith over a thousand years before Rome conquered the Mediterranean. Now, at the Barataria Preserve, which is the area I was just talking about with the Shell Middens, which is in that same general area, there were the massive, impressive mounds. Now, there's been these have been a mystery for for since they the discovery of the mounds. Nobody is really sure. All the experts can do is well, all they've done is speculate what these mounds could possibly be for. Some believe it's for decorative purposes. Other believes that it was for ceremonial. Some believe that it was for burial purposes. And it's been debated across the United States what they're actually for. Some have been excavated, like at the LSU campus. But for some reason, we never really find out what was in the mounds. It's a huge cover-up every time. Uh, agencies like the Smithsonian have been involved with, of course, excavating some of these across the United States, and we never find out what is exactly in them. And the level of disrespect that our government has towards the mounds is pretty disgusting. They're usually desecrated, built over, and they're built over by golf courses usually. And there's some researchers like L.A. Marzulli, who I may or may not have in this documentary, that believe that these ancient native mounds may have been burial sites for giant Nephilim. And that (laughs) giant beings like 12 to 15 foot tall Native Americans that some speculate were inhabiting that area. Now, I don't know because we never find out, but it I did hear a 
unverified story from the 90s that they were in a remote swamp trying to uh, build up some sort of area like it was they were trying to inhabit the area and build it up. And it was it was highly uninhabited before very remote. And when they started to excavate the area, they found a mound. And when they started to dig it up, supposedly they found a 12 foot tall Native American in there. But we never got verification on any of this. So it's very interesting, though. And there were many, many different Native American tribes that inhabited Louisiana for thousands of years. And there's still federally recognized tribes and protected tribes in Louisiana. And they are still treated like most of the Native tribes in the United States. They have their casinos, which... Casinos and gambling is a huge thing in Louisiana, and they do have the uh, the native-run um, casinos and protected land and all that in Louisiana, and there's a lot of festivals, but as far as the mounds go, it's pretty disgusting. I went to LSU and... They are they have a tiny fenced in area that nobody can go and like to mess with the mounds or anything. But across the way, they had mounds that were completely just built over and destroyed for the college. So it's a mystery, man. I I don't know exactly what's in them, but I'd uh, I'm very interested to do more research. And I'm having Dr. Gregory Little on tomorrow to talk a little bit more about it, and that will also be released as a podcast. So mounds nice. are pretty fucking crazy. That's cool. So what about the local? You said the tribes are still around. So mm-hmm. is it possible to speak with any of them? Has any of that knowledge been passed down to them that they would actually release to the general white man or? Or no. no, what we've I've interviewed natives, not for this particular uh, documentary, but I have interviewed natives on my show about some of the mounds and from the, I get different answers and I really don't believe they know for sure. But if they do, it is probably a secret. But from for the most part, they say it was for burial and somewhat ceremonial and ritual purposes. But if they were really burying giants, I never got that answer from many natives. I I was going to ask you a question on that. I didn't want to interrupt because I wanted to hear everything that you were saying. When you first brought up the giants, the idea of it being uh, ceremonial for Nephilim, there was a different podcast and you guys might remember uh, the episode um, where they were talking about these burial mounds And the guest that they had on said when he spoke to the Native Americans, they were I don't remember where this was at. I don't know if it was in Louisiana, so it could be something completely disconnected. But they went to a few places where burial mounds were, like you said, they're all over the United States. And some of the natives were saying they don't claim to have anything to do with the burial mounds, that they were there before the tribe and that it was actually built by the giants for the Mm. giants as a burial mound, and they're not sure what it is. Now, his claim was that it was through oral history, which is why I like that Jen asked that question, because their idea was that their oral history was that it was that that story by giants for giants. And he said he did find this pretty common around the United States. But like you said, there's thousands of them and there's still hundreds of tribes. Now, obviously, the connection is these are very, very associated with Native American reservations and the land that they still inhabit. So you can't like completely disconnect it. But I was wondering. Well, it is interesting because you look at ancient megalithic structures throughout South America and Egypt. There is evidence that there they are all these massive structures, especially like the Great Pyramid of Giza and some of the more impressive constructions and megaliths across the country i mean across the globe were actually built by much older civilizations than the than our modern history gives credit to we give credit to the the uh the modern the uh i'm sorry the uh the dynastic egyptians for some of the the construction when it's much like much more likely, much older. Same thing for some of the pyramids in Peru and South America. The Mayas just built over 
and tried to recreate some of the construction, but still couldn't do it to any of the to as close to any of the previous construction from the more advanced civilizations. So it's very likely that that is the case that they were there long before any of the natives got there. Yeah, I, mean, I totally believe that. I've heard a lot about that recently with the the pyramids, and it doesn't seem like the Egyptians made them as much as kind of co-opted them or moved in and were like, these are ours now, bitch. Like right. we're taking this over. Cause and for the longest time, I mean, we all grew up kind of thinking that the pyramids were crypts or burial grounds, and they've never found a single mummy or skeleton or anything in there. And the right. the design seems like it was for something else. But Ben, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say that Graham Hancock did a whole thing about how when they actually look at the Sphinx, um, the base of the Sphinx moving up towards the head is much older than what they've been able to see the stone on the actual face itself. And he thinks that because of the disproportion of how how much smaller the head is, like how we know it today and in recent archaeology, it's so much smaller. He thinks that the original Sphinx was made way before the Egyptians with a different head more probably like an actual sphinx cat and that it got whittled down into the face that we now see as the sphinx by the egyptians and joe mentioned co-opting the pyramids yeah th that's exactly what i was going to say was they actually haven't found any mummies or anything and once they start looking at the shafts and they see all the different star points for different times around the year and then you go back to when they think it was created and where those stars would be in those shafts it's almost like they revered it more as like a temple and had these different things from a civilization prior to the Egyptians, which well, would make sense. Especially the, the Great Pyramids. It seems like kind of they were following some hermetic shit as above, so below, because they were mirroring the sky and what they saw. And, and you can take that any way you want. Oh, they were just dumb old people that just built this big thing because they saw stars in the sky. But that I don't think that's 100% what it was. It could have something to do with it. But Chris, what do you, I don't think we've ever talked about old stuff like this with you before. What do you think about that kind of stuff with the uh, uh, like the purpose of these old structures and shit? And this is all opinion, people. We're not experts. Yeah. We're just op opinion based here. Right? I just like getting people's uh, point of view. I think that they had multi purposes. Uh, one of the main ones being for energetic purposes. I think they knew how to integrate the energy of not only what was below in the soil, but from the etheric energy that probably surrounds us at all times that they had the knowledge of how to tap into. I believe that what we consider as like zero point energy or the ether or anything that would be uh, fueling, uh, not fueling, but um, anything that would allow anti-gravity this this force that really just surrounds us, they knew how to utilize it. And I think some of these structures were built just for that to, to harness energy. The polygonal construction was also incredible for earthquake proof, uh, for being earthquake proof. And there's evidence that they had piezoelectric properties in the soil and they were able to not only grow like massive, huge, amazing crops that way, but they were also able to harness energy from the soil and land and healing properties, free energy, all kinds of things that they probably had knowledge of and utilize these structures for. That's just my yeah. And it doesn't, it, I, I think for sure they had some form of what we would know as electricity back then. It's just not the same, it's a different you know method or something like they didn't have light bulbs with filaments as far as we can tell who knows but they had some kind of power structure it wasn't just people walking around with courts or uh, horses and carts and shit like that i don't think like it, it seems like there was some kind especially when you look at the star forts we've talked to our friend uh matt over at great deception a lot about this the star forts seemed which is a whole other rabbit hole in itself that shit blows my mind but the way that they were shaped and how they were always around water, it looked more like a circuit board, you know, for a computer, like it was connected to all these different things. So I think that had something to do with either their power, like the powering something. But the weirdest thing is that if the pyramid had something to do with power or electricity or whatever they used it for, they still had to have something, some kind of technology to build that in the first place so they not only knew this was going to work by building it but they had some kind of technology to move millions of these you know however many tons you know of stone and make this fucking crazy structure 
And I'm not saying that's what it was used for, but somehow they did that. And I always told my kid this because he's only 11 and he's talking about the Egyptian pyramids. I'm like, you know, we, I was trying to like get into his head a little bit, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, we still don't know how those are built or what they were used for. And he's like, what? Like, yeah, we don't know. Ask your teacher. Actually don't ask your teacher. (laughs) It's funny that you say that. Cause I, I was literally on the phone with Lonnie the other day and he was talking about something in the Amazon and we got off on a tangent of pyramids and I went off on these different pyramids, how, uh, what's it called? Quebecly Tepe that they just found. And it's much older than what they thought. Now they're doing LIDAR and, uh, in the Amazon. And Lonnie was talking about, you know, a movie about the Aztecs and we're talking about these pyramids. And I go, you want to hear something crazy, dude? I go, you know how there's the redwood forest in California? He goes, yeah. I'm like, you know how the actual redwoods that are attached to that forest are much bigger than what the government says is the national forest. He's like, sure. I'm like, okay, that's the Amazon. I said, the Amazon forest is, you know, this big. I said, but if you look at the landmass of actual forest that it's attached to, it's massive. I said, it's one third of the United States. I said, so imagine going into the woods and it's literally a third of the United States. That's like trying to find a needle in a haystack for a pyramid. That's, you know, however many acres or square footage and shit. And it could be underground by now or at least overgrown or it's it's, uh, Indiana Jones shit. Right. And Lene's whole thing is that she goes, what do all of these have in common? She goes, they have massive stones that you either don't find in the area or they're way too far away to be able to explain how they got made. So, for instance, those like massive granite stones that are somehow suspended inside the pyramid, but without any kind of mortar or anything like that. I'm like, I I think you guys are all onto this. I never used to believe in the whole like, you know, sound wave energy shit. And now I'm like, no, yeah, because there's not really another way to explain that. And when they find uh, that 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 monk temple that they realized if you have sound at like 111 hertz or some specific thing it resonates to kill cancer cells and then they went off on a tangent about you know you always hear like the oh like fucking monks do shit they're like that was for a reason there was a reason why people went in there and they all got synced up and created a sound in these massive uh what's it called uh like amphitheater kind of areas and there's a reason why people would go into these and be healed. But like, we always think of it as voodoo or taboo and nobody, uh, or they called it worshiping God and it was God that healed them because they were right. worshiping. And God it was or, the yeah. spirit or ether or whatever you want to call it that healed. It's so fucking fascinating. Now I think it's hilarious because Corey just brought up last night. He thinks that there's a big mind shift coming. And I'm like, I think it's going to be in a, re- like, you know, the whole, now it's kind of taboo and cliche to say like the whole spiritualism and like all this stuff. It's like, but it's making a massive resurgence in a way that 10 years ago, people would have shit on anyone who was, oh, I'm spiritual. It's like, now you can say it and everybody's like, well, duh, everybody's spiritual. Like that was not a thing growing up. If you were spiritual, it meant you were religious. If you were religious, it meant that you belonged in a box. And now everybody believes in something, something that moves around you that it, like it's crazy to me that that's so common now that people are actually believing whether it be sound or you know what what have you yeah and i'll let you talk yeah. chris i swear i just wanted to say uh <laughs> I, I don't really like the whole ancient alien theory at all and you know the the pyramids or all these old things like i don't think it was ancient aliens it makes more sense to me that it was um us and we just knew a lot more in a different way back then than we do now and then it was intentionally or catechism cataclysmically shut down somehow where all of that was stopped. Whether you want to call that nose flood or you know an asteroid or whatever the fuck, something stopped that. And then we kind of started from scratch again. And that's when our kind of recorded history started. So I think like the pyramids in all Gobekli Tepe and all that, I think those are remnants of an age that is before history. And I don't know why that is. Is it because we had to relearn how to record history because there were so few people and they were just kind of focused on growing food and you know eating and surviving like it could be super nefarious too like not to cut into but oh, yes i was gonna go could, there too it could be that people were like okay all this shit's destroyed we can harness these people where the elite or we're better than them in some way let's guide them along a path slowly 
and we'll give them technology slowly, but we'll also make it so that we'll give them medicine, but that medicine doesn't really heal them. It just keeps them sick. So it keeps them coming back for more and we'll give them energy, but they're going to have to pay for it forever if they want it. It makes sense. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think that there are very powerful groups that held on to some of the advanced knowledge that we had. And we're moving back into a very interesting time right now where we have people that aren't part of the system, that aren't part of the establishment, just rediscovering things like free energy and being able to tap into these things, which is, of course, attracting these three-letter agencies and attracting people to them. And yes, their lives may, may be in danger, but what's happening is it's like a hundredth monkey effect where more and more people just across the planet are tapping into like how to harness free energy, how to harness anti-gravity, learning the secrets of the universe. So I don't think it's, they can stop it anymore. I think that they, they're trying to with everything they're doing. That's why they've ramped up the game, ramped up every, the transhumanism, COVID, all the things that, that that's been happening is because we are at a, a point, a tipping point in humanity where our consciousness is about to break open with all this knowledge of the, basically the secrets of the universe and they are scrambling to try and slow that down. But that's what I see happening right now. And I, that might've been what happened in those ancient times for, uh, because of those, because of we started learning and getting too big for our britches and cracking all these free energy. And we didn't have any need for the establishment. We didn't have any need for the kingship or government. So we started to be able to take care of ourselves. And I guess they didn't like it. So maybe they shut that down with a major cataclysm. Yeah. And if Something you, if you consider. believe in cycles, which I don't know how anybody can't believe in cycles and people have a, a harder time wrapping their head around massive cycles of time rather than just the sun comes up here and goes down there and then new day. Like that's a cycle. Sure. Uh, a week is kind of a, a month is a cycle. Years is a cycle. But when you start extrapolating out to like 26,000 years or whatever the minds are, there's some kind of bigger cycles that go on. And if you think about it that way, it makes a lot more sense and kind of makes it easier to figure out what's going on now because you're you're looking at what's happening now and then you look at the past and you're like, oh, fuck, like you were saying, that might have happened already. And it seems like we are getting too big for our britches again now, Where, but it's in a different way where everybody's super interconnected across the world. And I don't know if mm. it was like that back then. I mean, we're just assuming that's they were at some kind of technological height in the pyramid days, but I don't know if it was like it was if it was like that back then like it is now where everybody has kind of instant access to information they could have but it could have been more of a uh akashic field type of thing instead of the internet yeah, i think we had know, more but... consciousness abilities and more streamlined abilities coming from ourselves rather than relying on outside technology yeah and it, it, it kind of makes me think like if it was on purpose that might be easier to deal with than a natural phenomenon that happens every so often, you know, like if, if there really is a cataclysm every however many years, that's where you get into like the deep underground military bases and shit like that, where those could be ancient, ancient caves, uh, structures or, you know, it, it those could have been around for years and the, the current regime just kind of, took them over and were like, Oh look, these are underground cities with Starbucks and all this shit. Now, I mean, it, these are all like kind of urban legends, but I'm starting to think it's a lot more actual that I mean, because some of them are like, I think they're pretty verifiable that like Mount Weather, I think is one of them. Maybe that's from a movie. I don't know. Shoot me, whatever. But uh, there's there's a couple well, different here in Colorado, man. It's we are full of underground military bases and they are they have been verified. They have the one under the, the Denver airport, which the establishment and government still tries to deny that it is what it is and it doesn't house uh, military and intelligence. Well, it surely does, and it surely has tunnels that go not only to like Boulder and Colorado Springs. They the tunnels, the the train system that they have down there goes all the way across the United States. It goes to uh, what's that one in um, New Mexico, Dulce. It goes all to all the major military bases across the United States. And from what I understand, Denver 
I've, I've had plenty of guests tell me this and this is not very the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with renew Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Verifiable. I've had Ken Swartz, uh, CEO of C60, and a few others that have done some research into what's happening at the Denver airport. Believe that it's like the home of the shadow government. This is where all the 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 real people in power are making their plans and doing their business and running the country and running the government from the underground facilities here in, in Denver. So I don't know if that's true, but they probably, he's also they believes probably got that, kicked out of area 51. Yeah. He also believes that if the shit hits the fan and we do have another cataclysm, that that's going to be the new headquarters, that that's where they're all the elites is going to make their home base and go underground through there. So who knows? Well, it, I mean, it makes sense because it's kind of under, you know, it's in a mountain range. So it's kind of already high ground in case of yeah. flooding or whatever. Uh, it makes me really wonder about the ocean too, because that's the most unexplored fucking thing ever. I don't care what you think about space or anything. Leviathan underwater. Chronicles, man. Oh man. Check it out. Yep. Leviathan Chronicles. Shout out Christoph Laputka. Anyway, uh, it makes me think that thing like the legend of Atlantis was more of a Atlantis was the whole world. And that was where the pyramids and all that shit were. And then when it's, they say it sank, it was actually just a global flood or a, sorry, a realm flood for the flat earthers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I there's just weird things I think about when I'm uh, washing my balls in the shower, but it, it does make sense when you go back to the deep underground military bases that there's probably tunnel systems, maybe, under the ocean as well. I mean, they already run. Mm. What do they say? Like ninety something percent of the internet is actually just fiber optic fiber optic cables strung through the ocean, and that's not even to get into satellites. But they yeah. know more about what's going on down there than they're saying as well. Because that, how do you do that? How do you run fiber optic cables across a fucking ocean? And it was <laughs> a long time ago. Nord Stream yeah, right. too, same way. Like well, it's, that, they have the they have the capability of doing that. Their, their technology that is hidden from us, I believe, is could be up to 50, 100, maybe 200 or more years ahead of anything than we're ever realized. I've and heard they as just much as like 500 trickle. years. It could be, man. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But And they just gradually trickle out a little bit, you know, so that we don't catch wind of some of the stuff. But I think that what we're dealing with, with especially with some of the stuff that's hidden from us, is extremely advanced. Let me tell you a little something. Have you guys heard of Robert Guffey and the Camellio story? Oh, yes. I read that yes. whole, or I listened to that whole audiobook. I want to do a show on it. Fucking yeah, fascinating. I've got Guffey coming on next month. I got the author coming on next <laughs> <Shit>. month. <laughs> yes. That is awesome. That's dude. a good catch. Yeah, dude, that that story is crazy. So basically, the our our military industrial complex was doing illegal surveillance and harassment on this dude who they thought had stole some kind of advanced military goggles and they were the technology they were using was so advanced that they would cause him to believe he was being abducted. They'd cause him to believe his house was haunted poltergeist. They would send little people of small stature into his house that were like in some sort of cloaked type of material that they couldn't see. They were fucking invisible, like predator style stuff. This was in the 90s that they were doing all they'd send drones that that were indistinguishable to UFOs to his house to try and freak him out. So imagine the stuff that they have and imagine how much of what we consider is paranormal is really some kind of deep state operation or, or military industrial operation. Right. And they definitely <laughs> did like that crazy. to that guy because he was on what heroin? Yeah. He was so, on yeah. drugs. So yeah. it, he I was going to bring that up. Target. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, they're going to send these right to his door because when he goes <laughs> and tells someone, he's a known drug addict for yeah, years. Yeah. So Look how easily dismissible that is. If you drug somebody the fuck up or find somebody who's already on drugs, that's easy enough. And then be like, all right, we're going to test out this tech on this dude because literally nobody's going to believe him because he smokes heroin or whatever. I mean, it makes. <laughs> they probably laughed sense. about it. They were like, okay, five bucks. Like, how? 
who do you like what do you think he's gonna say it is how many people do you think well, you're the gonna weird thing about they it too is there were, it is dismissible as he was a drug addict but there are so many unanswered questions in that book and he starts the book off with that being like there's gonna be more questions than answers <laughs> but here we go this is what happened well ben, so and, yeah. no you're fine it, it always creates a war in my head because i i'm beginning to think that it's more of a well-rounded thing and it's all of it and we just don't know the extent of all of it is it aliens is it ancient technology from our history being way older than we ever thought it was um is it more uh organic and spiritual is it the government in their technology and like i'm always split on that because i go ah, i if they have the technology to do this then it could explain so many things that we also might think are aliens or this that and the other and well, then at the same time, I'm like, well, if it's the aliens and they have the technology, it could just be our government covering up for the fact that we don't know shit. You know what I mean? I think, well, let me, let me get into the cryptid stories because this, this is going to expand your thinking when it comes to the possibilities of what's out there as far as physical creatures or even paranormal, because we were just talking about how if most of the things we believe is paranormal could be some kind of black operation. Well, there's so much of this stuff that's so way older than any of the possible technology. Even if we're a hundred years ahead, I think that some of this stuff is, is older than our technology. And some of this stuff in, is in areas where we would just have no business being, we would have no interest in there. And we there's, it's completely remote areas where, which makes it perfect. It would make it perfect for for government and 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 things like that. But there's places in Louisiana that are so, like you're you're not going to have a military base out in the swamp because it's just not sustainable out there. You can't have underground bases. You can't have anything hidden in those areas as far as military, because like mainly you can't get underground there. We're below sea level, so in some of those areas, it's so remote. I really don't think anything is going on out there as far as black operations. Although I couldn't verify it, but. As far as the witness, the eyewitness accounts of oh, real quick, strange... do you think they know about it though? Like, do you think that's that this another is some, one? Do you think that, that they're monitoring the stuff that they don't have any business or 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 foothold in? I think probably so, probably so, because that that's going to tie into this as well. Because they got like they got Bigfoot encrypted men in black out there, from what I hear. That it really get into some of this stuff. They clean up after some of the incidents and things like that. But as far as what's happening in Louisiana with cryptids, man, I had no idea. We'd, we'd be told this cautionary tale growing up about the Rougarou, which is a dog man. You know, if you don't wear a condom, you're going to get killed or torn apart by the dog man. If you don't brush your teeth, you know, all these things they would have different cautionary tales about. And I just thought it was just some, some funny story that the parents the told man. their kids, the boogeyman type story. The boogeyman. Cause I it's never you, really growing good, up. You, you go to hell or you don't get presents on Christmas. Yeah. It's the same. Right. Thing. Yeah. And growing up, I never really talked to real experiencers of this phenomenon. People that really legitimately claimed to have encountered some of these creatures until now. Uh, Scott Pace, who I'm going to get you guys information. You guys got to get him on the show. He is just your regular down to earth. I think he's in his mid fifties. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He's a hunter and fisherman in Louisiana. He has his, his wife and his dogs. And he just wants, he was just a normal dude that wants to live life and go fishing and hunting and, and have a, you know, a relaxing meal when he get home. He's like super normal dude. Well, one day, he is out in his deer hunting stand, which was, uh, I don't know how, maybe like 10, 15 feet up high in a tree. And he was out waiting for his dinner to, to walk by so he could shoot it. He was waiting for, for some deer to hunt. As you do. And he had, as you do, and he had his rifle, rifle scope pointed in a certain direction. He's looking out there and he says... He sees through his rifle scope walking towards him the biggest, hairiest, blackest humanoid he's ever seen. He said it had to be at least eight or nine foot tall, said the hair was covering his whole body. It was black and it was matted and had dreads and it was dirty and swampy. And it was slowly kind of waddling towards him. And then he panned his gun over to the right 
and he says he sees i shit you not what he describes as a werewolf man a wolf man completely naked but he's standing on two legs snout massive he said he's about seven or eight foot tall and he's looking back and forth with his rifle scope like the fuck is going on and then all of a sudden in his mind he hears something talking to him he hears you better put that gun down or i'm gonna come up there and tear you apart <laughs> and he's like what and then he hears and like it was this distinct another voice saying no he's not his finger isn't on the trigger don't do that don't worry about it he's not here to hurt us he doesn't know what to do. He's never spoken psychically with anyone or much less a, a monster or a cryptid. So he tries to think about a message that he wants to tell him. And he says, no, I'm not here to hurt you. I don't know what's going on. And well, the he's way more, way more reserved than me because I would have been like, anyway, so I started blasting. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming it was the 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 wear man that was saying he was going to rip him apart. And yes, it was the, the Bigfoot saying correct. he's not here to hurt us. Correct. Correct. So the, again, the Bigfoot relays a message like, you better get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Scott is at this point pissing his pants, terrified. He runs down the deer stand. He runs out and he looks back and he says, there's not only that Bigfoot and dog man kind of following in the distance, making sure he's leaving. There's two other creatures that aren't really distinctly known. It said it could have been a dog man. It could have been another Bigfoot, but there were two other massive humanoid creatures that started following him out of the area. Now, something happened to him after this. I don't know if it was the just encounter with these beings or the psychic communication, but he got he got blown wide open somehow. He started having experiences, paranormal experience. He started seeing UFOs. He started having these creatures come into his house at night, move things around. He could hear the footsteps. He could see the impressions of them walking on his carpet he saw he saw Bigfoots looking through his windows. These big, ape they do that. They're -like. fucking creepy. Yeah, I've heard a lot of those stories where they look in your window. You can get arrested he's, for that. Don't they know that? <laughs> he's also well. Let me let me tell this in the in the order he he got to it because they're it's fucking peeping it, toms. They're like they are. Man, I bet they were whacking it too while watching him and his wife. Oh That's yeah, crazy. with your big <laughs> pendulous Bigfoot dicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> So he becomes it. he becomes just interested. He, he can't stop what's happening. He's not really scared. He's more intrigued by it because they're not trying to hurt him. They're not really threatening, but he believes that Bigfoots are kind of hanging out near his house. And he does live in a very rural wooded area near the swamps. Well, he starts talking to other people about this, and he uh, he eventually finds like uh, some people online who have had similar experiences in the area, and he goes visit with them and. He comes across a uh, a Native American uh, tribal leader from nearby in that area, and this tribal leader says he has a relationship with some of these beings. They that he normally goes out to these swampy areas and they psychically communicate and talk with each other. Well, Scott started going out quite often and trying, attempting to make psychic contact or whatever with these beings and he would bring his bible because he's a very religious man and he said he st he started like quoting bible quotes to them when he would go out there and singing bible hymns and he said they started oh, responding yeah he was he, he didn't know what to make of it so but he said he was going out there to see how they responded to that because he wanted to make sure he's not dealing with the devil or anything so he he goes out there, starts praying to him, and he said that they started, you know, speaking back and saying, "Oh, we enjoy when you come out here and do that. We enjoy your songs. We enjoy this." Uh, and they kind of started to form this relationship. He wouldn't get like outright glimpses of them at first. He'd see them kind of poke their head out behind trees and disappear. He'd see shadows, but he could sense that they were there, and the psychic communication would be coming through. And he'd start talking to them. One day, he did a little expedition with this native chief and a few other people who have experienced it. And this is crazy, dude. He said that they were standing outside in a certain area and it was about, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 feet away across a clearing. He sees a 10 to 15 foot, 10 to 15 foot tall being that That's a huge they call. Bitch. Yes. They call him uh Stevie wonder because every time they see him, they said he's Racist. doing like this. And he's like peeking behind the trees like this. 
So they see Stevie Wonder and he's doing his thing across the, the way. And Scott starts singing some kind of Bible song or religious song to him. And it, he's, he, it's like he's responding to it. He's dancing to his song. And all of a sudden, this is where the other type of cryptid creatures that in that area come in. He says he sees what looks to be like smoke at first coming out of the ground, but it forms into this physical creature on each side of this Bigfoot. So they have your 15 foot tall Bigfoot each side of him. This smoke starts coming out of the ground, but it starts to make physical form and it's moving like, like when you're charming us, you watch it, you never watch a tr snake charmers. Like they're moving like that to the music and they're coming up, but they, this smoky mist forms into two little hairy people, like five little foot tall, Ewoks? little Ewok looking hairy people. And the, he said that these things were terrifying because they had eyes that look like spinning kaleidoscopes, like different colors, like red and blue and green, but they would spin around and swirl. And that's what you would see in the night is these swirling kaleidoscope eyes. And he said, eventually a bunch of them came out and they were like surrounding the trees. They had these little kaleidoscope eyes in the trees. He just called them little forest people. But apparently they have the ability to turn into mist or smoke and dissipate away. And so, yeah, he's singing to the Bigfoot. The, the creatures come out. And later that night, I guess the experience ends when they, the creatures finally just kind of lose interest and walk away. But he said he could still see the eye shine all around him. The following night, they, they were in a vehicle, and they decide to take the vehicle out there and go sit in the vehicle and see if anything was going to happen. And he said that they they heard rustling behind right behind the truck where they were at. They look over, and about a seven or eight foot tall Bigfoot tried to reach in the truck and grab his cell phone out of his hand, and he slapped its hand away, and it just walked away like nothing happened. <laughs> What the so fuck? yeah he's uh he's having some pretty incredible stuff and that's just that's not even that's just like the you know some of the the more mundane stuff that he's seen the the what, same what, night that the go ahead oh no I was gonna you say what do you make of that shit like what <laughs> dude how what long did that? it take him to come to grips with this mentally because it sounds like he was a good old boy that just hunted yeah. like you were saying how long did it take him to go from I'm just gonna go hunt for my food to be like I communicate with Bigfoot. Here's read the thing: them by there's mist creatures. Yeah, he became rapidly interested in it, and he, I believe that he was getting downloaded of information because he started get like he started uh, not only researching stuff, but he became more articulate in what he was saying about it and just seemed to have knowledge about some of the phenomenon that I don't know how, where he was getting. Like uh, when I first interviewed him was last year sometime. And he, it, it was, it was that around that time when he had first started having his experiences and it was just with the Bigfoot and dog man and a couple of other things. He didn't have all this other crazy shit happen to him yet. And he really didn't know how to describe a lot of this stuff. He really didn't know what he was dealing with. Now, a year later, he's so interested and into it. And like he's, you know, researching it and constantly going out and interacting with it that he knows a lot. Well, he seems to know a lot about what's happening with this phenomenon, seems to have a better understanding, especially than he did just not that long ago. So it's very interesting, man. But it Dude. evolved. It evolved into alien encounters eventually. So that's that was always the weirdest thing to me is that it seems to be like an opener where somebody has an experience, whether it's a UFO or a Bigfoot or whatever, they have some weird experience and then it just dominoes and they have all this or snowballs, I guess, but they have all these other things that happen. Then they a lot of times they remember, oh, when I was five, I used to talk to the monkey men in my room or say, you know, they, yeah. they always yeah. have these these weird memories and it doesn't something triggers that in their adult life. It's like they kind of. Uh, memory hold it for themselves because they're like, I was just a kid. I was stupid. And then something happens. Yeah. Did anything happen as a kid? He said, no, he's never experienced anything like this. No, huh. no, nothing paranormal, nothing until just, I think it was last year when it all started for him. 
And this guy is the nicest, most honest. Like, I really don't think he's lying. I truly believe he believes his story. Like, whether it really happened or not, I couldn't tell you. But he certainly believes that this stuff happened. His wife does. And his neighbors and the other witnesses that I talked to do, too. Because they get glimpses of some of these creatures. They sometimes hear them whooping and howling in the night. And they see the smoke mist creatures. So... I interviewed quite a few witnesses that are just around that area that have seen some of the same things and, and heard some of the same happenings around the area. But like I said, it, it evolved, man. He started having extraterrestrial encounters. The first one he had, he was sitting with one of his friends in his truck in a, they had gotten finished hunting and they were just sitting at the truck after their hunting trip. And they were, it was dark they said they were looking into a clearing and all of a sudden he says that a beam of light just shot down from the sky. A luminescent portal opened up and these translucent seven or eight foot tall light beings walked out of the portal like they were just walking out and have a conversation with each other, talking with each other. And they went across the, the, the clearing down a little hill out of his view. And he's just sitting there, him and his friend, both witness, watch these things walk by and just go out of view. I mean, what are you supposed to say to that? That's crazy shit, man. And then he's, he's had other encounters where he will have missing time. And then he will wake up with memories of being escorted through catacombs underground by a gray extraterrestrial on his right side or left side, whatever. And then he'd have a mantis being on the other side of him. And they'd oh, always no. eventually meet up with a Bigfoot. And he said that it seemed like they were trying to teach him things like it was some kind of astral class or some sort of uh, attempt to 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 upgrade him because they'd you know basically be teaching him information while he was in here or downloading him and because he'd have all sorts of new information when he would come out of these experiences. So that's where we're at now with his shit. So he's talking to aliens now. What the fuck? So I mean, as from a mainstream view, you got to play devil's advocate. That this dude has had a psychotic break, and he spent too much time in the woods. And maybe uh, the mainstream would say, "Oh, were you drinking?" You know, because you always hallucinate. That's why I want you guys to first of all go watch the interviews I've done with him already. I got two interviews with him on my channel. Second, I'm going to get him on your channel so you can talk to him with him yourself. I mean, he's just like. Your Uncle Joe that you just want to, you know, have sit down if he drank a beer, but he doesn't even drink. He doesn't drink, do drugs, and he certainly doesn't seem like he's had a psychotic break. This is the, you know, he's a very happy, normal, just seemingly normal dude. And just, you've honestly. been doing this long enough to know the difference between that and your secret space program well, he has no ladies. interest in like getting fame he doesn't want to go out and talk about this stuff the only reason he's talking about it is because i'm bugging him about it i'm going out <laughs> there and asking him this shit he's not trying to go jump on talk shows but i'm pushing his ass on talk shows i'm getting trying to get him out there because i think his story is amazing and i think he truly believes it and i think there's something to it i definitely think there's something to oh, it yeah. that needs to be explored no there's definitely something to it and imagine how many people there are like that that want nothing to do with talking about it, but they yeah. experience it every day. So when everyone's like, oh, these are rare occurrences and it's just, you know, whatever. I don't think it's that rare at all. I think it happens all the time, but people don't want to talk about it because they're normal God fearing people and they don't want to think you know, people thinking they're crazy. So, yeah, they don't want to be judged. It's because we've been taught if you act like this, you're crazy. So if you talk about things like this happening to you, you're a crazy person and we could commit you. I mean, your family could technically do something that would hurt you and yeah you start you in a place that where shit you can't actually wrong... be free anymore yeah. yeah you say that to the wrong person you might not have your life anymore <laughs> and it's also overwhelming yeah. i mean he sounds like the type of guy that isn't he's interested in it now but it was never a thing for him so he's interested in it because it's happening to him and he just wants to make sense of what's happening to him right he doesn't want to make any money he's not trying to go out there and spread the word he's just trying to figure out his life yeah i actually believe that guy more than if somebody like me or you or any of us were to all of a sudden be having these experiences because we already have a podcast and we're already kind of out there in the public. Um, it, as a listener, I'd be like, this guy's full of shit. He's trying to create content. 
but I haven't had any of that. I have had one UFO sighting, which we've told on the show. We both saw yeah. it. I don't know what the fuck to make of it. It was like five seconds. That's it. Other than that, nothing. It was no window window areas or no, you know, that started something and now we experience elves in the house. Like that would be cool. I would love to talk about that, but it <laughs> not happened. So, but dude, yeah. before we get out of here, I, I, I wanted to get what, where I was going with that is um, what do you make of those areas that have these activities like Skinwalker Ranch or that guy's neck of the woods where he hunts? Is it that there's some electromagnetic portal or something what is what is it about those areas that seem to draw these things in like if that wolf and that bigfoot are actually there like roaming around doing shit why in that area is it just because it's remote like well i i I have a few kind of theories on that first energetically i think that a lot of the dark dense energy that resides in louisiana if you ever go there if you ever go to the any swamp the swamps you will feel this this kind of heavy energy there that you can't really pinpoint i think a lot of that is from the dark history that because of slavery and some of the atrocities that occurred from our history in louisiana that it left that dark imprint there and Probably we've done a lot of atrocities to the natives there, and that just, I think, leaves a lot of it there. But also we've had a a rich occult magic history, especially with the voodoo and the hoodoo practice in that area. There's some believe that some of these practitioners may have accidentally opened portals and not known how to close them, and some of these beings came through. There's tons of just occult practices that happened in louisiana and that are still going on i mean i didn't realize that louisiana is like one of the main uh vampire type of refuges for people who are into you know like the vampire lore and things like that but they actually have a couple of older stories about what are supposedly believed to be real vampires that inhabited uh, New Orleans. Uh, you guys heard of uh, Count St. Germain, right? Uh, yeah, that's a big thing up here, actually, in our area. They have the St. Germain Foundation about an hour away, and I would like to say they're whack jobs, but I'm not sure. They all wear purple a lot, and they do a lot of weird <laughs> stuff, and they like to hang out in Mount Shasta with the Lemurians or whatever, but... Other than that, like I he's apparently an immortal that lived for quite some time or something. That's about all I know. Yeah, well, he supposedly was a vampire. He spent some time in Louisiana, there's in New Orleans, and there's a story that he had invited some young lady to his apartment, tried to bite her in the neck. She ran out and she got the the police involved. And I mean, when I've they done went that. back, yeah, they they couldn't find uh Saint Germain, but they found like clothes from different time periods stained in blood and they found bottles of what they thought were red wine but they were human blood filled the cabinets so it's just one of those you know tales that can't really be verified in any, in any of the other way yeah it, so, it sounds like it's interesting mythos though. but yeah, the thing about myth is is either somebody had a really fucking good imagination or it's a very old memory of something similar that happened at least something similar if not totally true like yeah i think about that a lot with the uh the old gods or like the greek mythos i'm like something inspired that i don't think somebody just came up with these random stories out of nowhere something happened that made them think these stories up yeah now a couple of other things uh that i wanted to close off of with the energy in louisiana mardi gras you guys have heard of mardi gras it's it's yeah, beads touted and as yeah, beads and boobs. It's touted as a Christian holiday, but it actually dates back thousands of years to pagan and spring fertility rites known as Lupercalia and Saturnalia, where they would just be bloody, violent, sexually charged celebrations with debauchery and animal sacrifice and random matchmaking and coupling. But today it's touted as a, a Christian holiday still, even though it's all titties and drinking and, and, and debauchery anyway. So there's, you know, this, this inversion of course there, but I think that those, the pagan uh, aspects and those dark occult rituals also added some energy, but what can attest to the 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 dark dense energy is the the amount of people now this is kind of depressing i don't know if we want to end on this but i've had i've had about honestly about 10 to 15 
friends growing up that either committed suicide or overdosed throughout my my time in Louisiana. And it just seems to be a place where a lot of people feel stuck. A lot of people get very depressed and a lot of people feel kind of hopeless and like they have no choice but to just turn to drugs or in their own life. And I've known way too many people just from my immediate area growing up that have done this. And if I wouldn't have you know, started doing Forbidden Knowledge News and got out of Louisiana myself, Oh man, I, I was I was in a bad state, you know. I when I first started doing the show, I was depressed. I hated my job, hated life, and I think it was because I was stuck in that just dense energy all the time. I think it does something to people. No, a hundred percent. And I, I think I mean not to get you know overly scientific with this, but like the electromagnetic magnetic thing has something to do with that. Because like I said, we live an hour from Mount Shasta, and that apparently has a huge electromagnetic influence on people. From what I've heard, who knows? There's a lot of weird fucking people in the vicinity of Mount Shasta. It could be the same thing. Not so much depressed, but it is like that on the coast out here, the North Coast, where yeah. there's a lot of drug use and depression. And I always chalked it up to there's not enough vitamin D because it's always fucking cloudy over there. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if Louisiana is like that, but it is actually kind of. It's a little cloudy. Yeah. So every time it's gloomy like that, like it's just dark clouds all the time i mean it just sets the scene for your day you're just like mm. oh this sucks you know it's like people that live in england uh shout out to the uk listeners but i imagine london or england in general is just constantly gray sky gloomy and black and white i think of england actually as being black and white i don't know why yeah. that's just well, how i think of it. yeah joe it's funny that you say that too because i'm always getting shit from people that are like oh i love the rain and i'm like that's great i fucking hate hate when it gets to the fall, I can't stand it. When the days get shorter, the clouds roll in, shit starts dying. It just makes me want to punch babies off a rooftop. Like, no, that's I when I just listen to Cradle of Filth or something and call it. I a like day. the <laughs> sunshine, and this is my favorite time of year. I don't have allergies, so I love all the flowers blooming and everything turning green. And the exact opposite happens in fall. I can't imagine living somewhere where it's constantly cloudy. Like, I mm. or constantly I, I wouldn't rainy. like my life either. Like that, that's what Oregon is to me. It's constantly fucking raining. And I'm like, rain is great. It's awesome. I just don't want to work in it. Like if it just rained at night while I'm asleep. Great. I love the sound of that. That's amazing. But when I have to get up and go work in that shit, go fuck yourself. Give me the sun any day over that. Anyway, we can close out of here. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find you and where they can tentatively find your new documentary. Right on. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on this fun as usual. You can find me, uh, Forbidden Knowledge News, on all podcast platforms. Our website is ForbiddenKnowledge.News. Like we were saying, this documentary production is a lot of work, so if you would like to help, any kind of donation is greatly appreciated. You can do that by going to supportfkn.com. And uh, let's see, website where uh, premium content is on Rockfin. Be sure to subscribe on Rockfin. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey, and we started going live on Rumble and Rockfin five days a week. And there's one other thing. Oh, we just uh, we just recreated uh, Eclipse on YouTube, Eclipse channel. So we'll see how long it takes to get booted off YouTube again. So, so thank you, were you guys. You have to you have to go back and. And subscribe to your channel again, though, right? Because it's a What's brand that? new channel yeah, that you made on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you've yeah. already been subscribed, people go back and resubscribe. Build Please do. I only have like 18 up. subscribers right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, I'll, I'll find you. No. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to plug that, too. You have to go in, find them, and resubscribe and get all their good oh, shit. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, thanks, Back Chris. On. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, me. Uh, if you want to support our show, suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs>